Welcome to the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we take you through professional elite athletes and coaches' stories about how they cope with the psychological demands of competing at elite level. Today, we welcome professional Belgian basketball player Yinke Delane to the podcast. Yinke currently plays as a point guard for the Rhineland Lions in Germany in the Women's Basketball Bundesliga. Yinke has previously played at BC Namur Capital, Vervia Pepinstar in Belgium, as well as AKA Aura in Switzerland. Outside of playing basketball, Yinka is also a coach at Corrado, coaching basketball. Uh, so let's welcome Yinka to the podcast. Hello. How are you? I'm good, and you? Yeah, good, good. How's your, how's your day been? Well, not so busy because I'm just unpacking and putting everything back in my room. So yeah, just easy day. Yeah. Are you back in Belgium yet or yeah? Yesterday I'm back. Yeah. Uh, how was the trip? Was it okay? <laughs> yeah, it was not so far. It was from Germany in Cologne. Yeah. So it was just three hours. So it's an easy drive. No, yeah. I've been I've been in Cologne actually once. I went for the Christmas market. They have a really cool Christmas market over there. Amazing, um, amazing yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's really good. It's like a nice city. I think I collect like hard rock cafe t-shirts and I and I made sure I got one uh in that city. So uh so yeah, that's like my little memory from Cologne. Does it say the city on it? Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. yeah, so each hard rock cafe, like they have the like city on it. So mm. I've got a couple. I'm Extend, extending the collection that's for sure but, uh, <laughs> but um nice. yeah so 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 you finished a season like a couple days ago right yeah a couple of days ago we we're yeah. vice champions so yeah. unfortunately not, not like champion but still like we, lo- we didn't lose the first place we won the second place so yeah exactly mm-hmm. nice yeah Okay, well, um, like a place we like to start with our guests that come on and for the listeners to sort of get to know you is, you know, if you could like take us through your sort of journey today, so from growing up to where you are now, um, if you could give us that sort of like overview to get to get started. Yeah, for sure. Like, first of all, I grew up in a soccer family. Okay. So I always, always wanted to play soccer, uh, but my parents, they were like, no, you're a girl, so you have to do something else. Um, and I always tried to to keep on going with soccer, but it was not allowed. So then I tried like dancing, but I felt it was nothing for me and then track and field. But it's like an individual sport. So I wasn't really like finding myself in there. And then my big brother uh, went on a soccer camp and I was there. And a friend of my mom was a basketball coach and that's how I went into basketball. But I didn't know anything about it. I didn't even know I had talent for it because it was not known in my family. And then I just started playing with the boys and it was tough in the beginning, but I loved it. And just to make the boys, it's really difficult. And then from then on, my journey started. Uh, I had to go to a girls team when I was in the 14. Um, and then just different teams when I was 15, 16, I was in first division of Belgium. Um, and then from there on, I had like diff- different teams just to grow as a player, to have a better position um and i also played yeah like european euro cup uh, national team all the selections and since last year due, due to corona um i signed my first prof contract and then i moved out of belgium so yeah amazing journey yeah very interesting um sort of growing up obviously 
Um, it seems like your parents weren't too keen on you like doing sports and things like that. Who was sort of your main inspirations or, or motivation to sort of get into sport and continually uh, break down that barrier of wanting to play? Well, when I looked to my family, like everyone was always into sport. Uh, mostly was into soccer. So if you grow up, you like you think it's a normal thing to do sports. Um, and I was always playing against my big brother in the garden. Um, I had also like a lot of uh, running uh, things at school and I had a lot of um, like cups and medallions and everything because of running um, and my grandfather and my mom they really like not really pushed me but they were really motivating me into sports and yeah and also I, since the beginning I had the right mentality just to work hard and that's how like every one of my family I saw as like a role model in sports but when you grow up and you're like into basketball, of course, it's Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. So, yeah, that was amazing to watch videos. How did you find the documentary, The Last Dance? I, I guess you. Yeah, but also like a lot of things that you didn't know about Michael Jordan. And he tells it in the, in, in the documentary. And then you're like, it's even more eye opening. And like sometimes people don't see what happens behind the scenes they only see like the the results and like how good he is but everything behind nobody sees is it's amazing that he just shows it right now after his career mm -hmm. good how did you I'll find how did you find sort of the um you know older sibling rivalry was there much of a rivalry was it competitive um or would you attribute that sort of your success now uh, being a pro yeah, it was I guess my big brother was always tough because like I liked I like to play soccer and when we were playing in the garden I never wanted to lose like even if I had to like um, go against his shins like I didn't <laughs> care at all like, if he went down I didn't care at all and I think it also helped for me especially in basketball to start playing with the boys like it's really tough they don't accept a girl in the team they're like who is she like what is she gonna do against us and it makes you really tough and it creates like a different mentality um, and you can use it everywhere this mentality like even in normal life um, and it really helped me into the next steps I made because it, it wasn't always easy like I'm I'm not gonna say the journey was super easy but it really helped me the mentality so mm. the, the fact that you had to play with the boys was that purely because the team didn't have the resources or like enough girls involved like to create a only girls team is that the kind of the reason why that you had to mix at the beginner yeah it was mostly like a boys club um, okay. and we were only with like two girls also basketball wasn't like more for girls in the beginning um now it's it's growing because Jew, like also national team is doing good um, mm. but yeah it was mostly a boys team and also in the competition like uh, we played against a lot of boys like i think there were only like four girls in the competition um so yeah for me it was amazing just talking about your journey there um you know you spoke briefly about um trying an individual sport and it not really being for you but now like you really seem to get on with the team sports why do you think that is why does team sports sort of click for you uh, that's actually a good question i think i'm just someone who wants to achieve things with uh, other people um i also get like motivated by other people and i like to see other people like also improving um and it's just like a different kind of vibe um team yeah. sports like you feel you're not you're not alone 
um, especially practices because in the summer I always practice alone and after like two months I'm like Jesus I want to I want to go into a team and it's just it's just different and like I just like really the vibe and just meeting new people and yeah just every, everything about it I, I like the team atmosphere a lot mm. I sort of agree with that 100% like I feel like any endeavor that I do I, I'm real a strong believer in like the process and, and enjoying the process not striving to go to the outcome you know focusing on enjoying the journey and I feel like the best way to enjoy that journey is with other people so like any endeavor that I do like mastering the mind of John you know I've got another business with my cousin and you know everything is just better with other people I find and I help that, that like helps me push me on more as well so I can definitely sort of resonate with that yeah for sure and also like enjoying the process a lot of people forget it and I was me also I forgot it sometimes and even now I'm sometimes I'm saying like okay stop like being so serious and take it as a job but like the process and enjoy, enjoying it is like the the biggest key for me because now you see a lot you a lot of people growing up going into sports and they're right away thinking about being a pro and I'm like just enjoy the, the process just enjoy the little steps you take and in the end of the day it's it's just it's just a hobby um it's not a real thing even though I can make money out of it but still it's the thing that I love to do and every day I can I can become better and every day I can improve something so to really enjoy the process it's something that most people really forget so yeah. and, and obviously being an athlete like it's only like a portion of your life as well so like I think athletes tend to forget that and yes it's the best to make the most of those like that career you know um but yeah um so just going back um so you started quite, would you say you started quite late basketball compared to maybe your peers? Um, yeah. yeah, most, most people started like three, four years, mm. started around uh, 11 years. So it's pretty late. Yeah. Um, and especially like nobody in my, in my family knew what basketball was. So I was like, how am I supposed to score such a ball in, in a ring? And, and it was like those kind of things. Um, but I remember like my first tournament, I just came back from vacation and I had to try it. I was like, never had a basketball really in my hands and I had to try it. Um, and I remember like uh, my parents saying like, yeah, if you score, you get a cake. And I, I was just standing under the basket, every ball I got. And I don't know how I did it, but I was really like standing under the rim and it was impossible to score, but I always tried to find a way. And I made buckets at that moment and I had so much cake. And at that moment, I was like, okay, it's fun. I score. So yeah those are the hardest shots i swear like under the bucket like you really have to like scoop it don't you and at that moment i didn't know it i was like it seems quite easy so that's something like me and john soon discovered like uh, during lockdown uh, we tried to get into basketball a little bit and start learning because like we've never really played um and i thought like laying up would be so easy. like the way the pros make it look is like you just get in a bucket like a quick 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 bucket and my word running towards the basket the foot like the feet placement and all that like i i've never seen something so difficult in my life like it's such a hard skill yeah it's so hard and that's why i like it because it's just like every day i feel like i can i can improve something else and you can like get way better at your shot like your shot is never gonna be you're never gonna score everything so there's always something to improve and 
like even your skills always something and adapting playing defense playing offense adapting to to different styles of basketball because that is exists too um so yeah it's just an everyday so every day is something new and that's that's what's really fun about it yeah so funny during during that kind of lockdown period we posted the video on on tiktok of uh, me shooting and i got roasted in the in the comments <laughs> because i was asking for tips but my shoot my form is horrible like it's honestly terrible but the advice i remember is like when you when you release the ball it's like you're reaching into the cookie jar like you know in the so that's kind of everybody's it's, it's stuck basically a pro now <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's true it's just the wrist needs yeah. to be good but it's the technique of like shooting a basketball is really hard and that's why if you're young you need to invest a lot of time in that um and once you get older like you feel like how much strength you can give to it and you like learn the distances but it yeah. just takes a lot of practices like it's it doesn't come like just sleeping a little bit and next day you can shoot like perfectly it's not like that you have to invest a lot of time and that's what I also did before I couldn't shoot now and then one summer I was like I'm only going to shoot like I'm just going to invest all my time in that and then the next years after it, it just became better and better. And I'm not perfect yet. I know that, but it's just everyday practice. So, yeah. Um, I'm interested to know, like, in terms of, like, improving your shot, like John just talking there about tips that he'd got. Um, because, you know, in the NBA, like, a lot of them have completely different shots. Like, there's no, do you, do you try and learn by the textbook or do you try and develop your own shot? in terms of like what works for you like how do you sort of find that uh when you're younger they all try to to first of all figure out which hand is your strongest hand um yeah. is the most important and then um they all learn like teach you the same way of shooting by the book but yeah. when you develop you, you make it kind of your your own shot and like some people have a weird shot some people have a shot by the books but the technique is is a, is a big part, but the strength and like um, the way how you shoot and just like um, yeah, especially the strength and like how your your ball goes, how it spins, um, is like is like the, the most thing. But it has so much practice. Like even people with the weirdest shot who are pros and they score a lot of buckets. Like it's just practice. Uh, mm. it's how you make your own shots. It's not shot by the books it's your own shot so yeah it's crazy like because like when people watch Steph Curry and like he hits like a half court shot people yeah. are like oh that was like lucky but he's putting in hours on on practicing that shot over and over like reps reps on reps so uh, definitely that's like worth bringing up for sure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've read somewhere also that I might be could be wrong but the, Alan Iverson are you a huge fan like fan of uh, of him yeah, the thing is, he was small, um, and he really plays with his heart. Um, he had skills, obviously. Um, I'm not going to say that. But he was small. He played with heart. And that's what most people also see in me. And that's what I like as, as if I see players. Like, I don't have it for, like, the players with a lot of, you know, air and just, like, showing it off and, and, and being lazy in defense. For me, it's really, like, if you put your heart on the court, um, I'm going to like admire you as a player. That's for sure. Um, mm. And yeah, being small in basketball is always like a disadvantage. Uh, I had a lot of difficulties with that too, because I'm only what, like one meter 65. 
so it's not tall at all. Um, but he he found a way. He was in the NBA. It means a lot. So yeah, he's a real a, a big inspiration. Yeah, you're a hustler then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I. Uh, <laughs> go on. I was just gonna say he he also has a documentary and I loved it. Oh, yeah, I think that was my class. it was my first basketball documentary that I watched. Yeah. And this guy like he's a like also in terms of his style like you know the the shorts he was wearing as well like he kind of pioneered you know in the NBA didn't he at that time, and uh, and it's the, what's his move again? It's the cross, isn't it? Like what do you call it? The move. Yeah, the cross like that the was cross, the yeah. biggest move. And also Al Allen Iverson was someone who. Who was just himself in the NBA. Um, he brought his own style. Okay, a lot of people were against it, but he was still himself. He he had his values. Um, he just stayed true to himself. He he didn't wanted to do like all the other ones. He just wanted to be himself, and and that's how he did it. Like now, if you look to the NBA, like they all bring their own style. So and it's something off the basketball court, but it's still important. It's like that this can bring how you feel, and this also affects. How you gonna play on the court? So yeah, I definitely love like watching the, those players that hustle because uh, I've probably been watching NBA regularly for like three years now, um, and I follow the Raptors because I love Canada and like Drake and things like that. <laughs> um, and then like obviously our point guard before he got traded was uh, Carl Lauer, and that guy is like the king of hustle. And uh, I also like watching the Celtics, uh, Marcus Smart, like he's. Uh, just watching their series just now. I mean, he went off with a shoulder injury and then come back at half time ready to go again. Like the guy grafts. I love to watch plays like that. Yeah, it's amazing. And most people say like basketball is not a contact sport, but oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, I swear, like mm. it's kind of hard and it's like a lot of physical and yeah, it's it's so much happens in such a short amount of time and like okay also the court is not super big but it's like it's, it's intensive and everything it's, it's just a beautiful sport to watch and to play obviously mm-hmm. do you support any team in the, in the nba um i'm not a big fan of watching nba um because now it's like a lot of it com- commercials and like a lot of money goes into it i'm more for the european basketball because it's also smarter but yeah. I, I for sure follow uh players of the nba just to watch some moves to skills uh, to improve myself um, but if you look more to like the whole basketball like the being smart on the court it's more the european style that it fits to me um and there i watch like obviously the full games and like how the coaches are and how tactics are and the defense there is also harder um so yeah i like more european basketball than the nba yeah i've got a friend um who coaches basketball in england and he was saying because i haven't really watched much european basketball um but he was saying that yeah like he wishes that it was streamed more um on, on television because it's obviously quite hard to watch european basketball but yeah i definitely need to go and watch something because my local teams are leicester riders in the uk so uh, i definitely need to go down and watch a couple of games for sure yeah it's all about the money that's that's the sad part yeah. but basketball is growing and you see it also with like women's basketball is growing and i'm sure in like a few years it will be more on television and it just need to take some time mm-hmm. for sure um, so talking about kind of European basketball, so you actually had some experience playing in the Euro Cup, like you mentioned previously. So 
was your first experience at Namur that where you where you played in yeah so tell us more about that that kind of experience you know competing against different teams in in Europe and what you kind of learned from it and yeah first of all Namur was was my first experience in a real pro team um, yeah. I also had a pro coach um, he was at that moment um, the head coach of the national team of the Belgian Cats um, so for me it was like a big opportunity um, at that moment I was also still uh, in school so I lived in Amur um, I tried to do my schoolwork it wasn't always like great but whatever um, and then yeah we played Euro Cup as the second highest league in, in Europe for women so it's, it's, it's quite big um, and it was tough like playing against other styles of basketball like we played against Olympiacos, um, Valencia, we had like tough teams in our in our group and at that moment like for me it was just I didn't put a lot of pressure for me it was just eye-opening um, competing against like big players like big names and playing in big big, big gyms like we're not used to it in Belgium uh, so it was amazing but the level is is so different like it's, it's just way better, um, that for sure. And you learn a lot out of it. Like I was only 17, 18. So I'm super, that was super young. Um, and I played like an average of 15 minutes, which is, which is good on that age. Um, one game I also played really good. So yeah, at the end of the day, you see that you grow, you grow a lot out of it. Um, and it's just an amazing ex experience. And uh, the year after I also played Euro Cup, uh, so for two years and it's just something nice on my resume so I always take it with me and it's also easy to use it uh, for other clubs if you want to sign somewhere so yeah it's amazing and I'm look I'm looking back to it as a really big experience and something I enjoyed so yeah, for sure as a teenager that's like a huge uh, like opportunity isn't it I don't think many uh, you know many people could say that you know so definitely uh, really nice true yeah um, some people they started playing euro cup way later when they're like 23 25 and i was 17 18 i mean i don't think a lot of people did it before um so yeah i was really blessed with that opportunity mm. uh, and i learned like so much out of it it's insane and yeah yeah mm -hmm. Growing up, like, um, obviously against, like, your, your older brother and then having to play against, like, all these, like, people who are more developed than you, um, how did you sort of cope with these demands? Because, obviously, it must be so physically demanding for you. Um, did it teach you to sort of adapt your play style and to sort of get around it? How, how did you cope? The hardest, the hardest thing was for me, I had it of my quickness because I'm, I'm quick. Um, I have to run. Um, and then in Namur, obviously, I came into a team who was more like um, static basketball, more um, basketball where you have to think with your brain. And I was not used to it because you're also young. You're not used to it. You just want to run and gun, we say. Um, so and I also played against um, opponents on my position who were like years of experience, like more than 11 years of experience. So. Yeah, you run against the wall every practice and they're way smarter than you, but you learn to adapt. Um, you see how they play, um, you see how they think. And I was also like able to have great mentors on my position because sometimes it can be tough with two people on the same position. But I had great mentors, great people who, who really wanted me to, to learn more, who, who really wanted me to, to see 
to see me grow um, and yeah they helped me a lot developing and but it was not easy at all like I ran so many times into into the wall and hmm. sometimes I was thinking like is it all worth it um, do I really need to go through this um, because I at that moment I also quit school um, so I didn't get paid I invested two years not being paid um, in a pro team practicing two to three times a day uh, and I was like sometimes thinking to myself like why I'm doing this I can just finish school go to a normal job have money it's, it's done but I really wanted to become a pro um, and I invested already so many hours in there my parents invested so much money also for extra practices so I was like I cannot quit I cannot do this to, to my parents um, so I had to keep on going even though it was super hard uh, but in the end of the day I signed a pro contract and now I'm just going and going and going. So I'm out of Belgium, which is, which is amazing. Um, and yeah, we'll see what the future will bring. Here you are as a professional. Yeah, <laughs> um, and I'm still young. I'm still young. I'm exactly. Young, so I know it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You have so much experience. So young, like, yeah, definitely an exciting future for you. Um, so after Namur, you went to Pepinster, Pepinster. Um, so what was that what was the idea kind of for, to go there would you say um to say yeah. it would change that was a that was a tough time during my young career um obviously like i'm not gonna gonna hide this um i'm open about it that was really tough because i came from namur second place in the competition and then um they changed coaches um so some coaches want to keep players some coaches don't want to keep players um, and the new coach was coming in with all respect, so obviously to hit towards him, he wanted to have different point guards, so I accept that. Um, and yeah, it was for me time to to search another another team, but I was all by myself. I didn't have the agency at that moment, so it was kind of hard, and it was also late in the transfer period. Um, so then Pippen Stair is a team who invests in Belgian talents, um, and they were obviously interested um and then they i signed there um corona bro broke out so i was just there season was delayed with one month um mm. i was there just keep on practicing keep on keep keep on playing um and every weekend i came to brussels to train extra with my physical trainer so i always went uh, back and back and forth um and then i went there it was really tough uh, because i went from second team to the lowest team in Belgium um, but there I was sure I was going to play I was going to have my first point guard position so for me that was something like okay I can grow I can I can have a lot of minutes I can have a lot of experience um, but then due to corona the season had to stop um, and then Pepe decided to stop for the season and I was at home and I was like what am I supposed to do next so that was really a tough season. And then I had to sign with the agency because I wasn't going to sit a whole season here, not having a job, not being paid, not going to school. Uh, but I mean, I literally had nothing. I have a roof under my head. That was, I was blessed with that. But then I had to sign a search an agency um, and trying to find a new, a new club. And I did that in Switzerland. So I was really happy, but the period before I was just outside because all the gyms were closed due to Corona and I was outside minus one degrees with my physical trainer. I was just outside running, do, doing stuff. 
when everyone else was playing in Belgium. So it was insane and a hard time. But if you see, the, the work pays off. And I had a great season in Switzerland. So... Mm. Yeah, it's funny, like the kind of corona period is, is an interesting one because we've had a lot of athletes kind of share their experience of how they kind of coped with it and the struggles they went through through that period. So, so yeah, it's like massive respect uh, with the athletes that have kind of gone through that, um, you know. But um, what did you find kind of like the mentally, what was the ho- kind of hardest thing for you, um, the, the kind of corona period, not being able to, to kind of play regularly, maybe train with your peers? What would you say is? Yeah, that was the hardest thing, like, um, just not being able to practice. Um, I do an inside sport. Um, yeah. Teams were closed for such a long time. Um, and also, you, you, you missed just the team atmosphere. Um, it was really tough. Um, but yeah, then at the other hand, you, you, need, you need to think for yourself at that moment. Uh, if everything's closed, you need to improve yourself. You need to work individual, even though you want to be with your team. But for me, Corona was was a good thing. I have to say, because mm-hmm. I had I had a way to improve, and because of Corona, I could sign my first pro contract outside of Belgium. So that was from Corona. Just like, it was amazing to me, um, even though to another people it was not. Uh, but for me, it was really life changing, and um, I think it, it it came at the right moment. Um, and just every puzzle, like puzzle piece um, fell in, in, into this place um so yeah corona was good yeah just a point that i wanted to sort of bring up just listening to sort of that journey at Pepinsto is um you know i find it super brave for someone to like drop down uh, a level to be able to develop as a player get more minutes i think any sort of young athlete listening i feel like there's definitely some value in that um you know taking a hit to sort of your ego uh in terms of being you know attached to a club that's higher up into, but to drop down, get more minutes, develop, you're probably going to go back up but you're even further uh, in the future. So that's something that I took from you just sharing that story with us there. That can definitely be applied to sort of any athlete on any journey. Um, so thanks for sharing that with us. No problem. Yeah, but sometimes if you're like in the journey and I was in Namur, like big team, big players, um, pro team, you sometimes forget how old you are. And I was, I felt in a rush, honestly, uh, mm. I felt in a rush. And I was like, well, when is it my time to sign a pro contract? Because I saw players in front of me, Belgian talents who signed a pro contract, um, who weren't like working as hard as me or, or whatever. Uh, I'm not going to blame any, anybody, but you, you feel yourself going into a rush and you want it obviously. Um, but maybe that was the moment I, I told myself again, like, okay, calm down. You're only like at that time I was 19, becoming 20. Yeah. Uh, like, calm down. Like, some people are like signing their pro contracts when they're 30. Um, I mean, I had so many years ahead of me to to really like reach my goals, and I had to stop putting myself into a rush um, and and really focusing on that. I again, I had to focus on trusting trusting the the journey and trusting every step I was taking so at that moment I became calm I became more mature obviously um and that really helped me I also have like a great support system uh, which helps me a lot and I have good people around me um who also like sometimes tell me like okay stop rushing into it just enjoy it and that also the support system is really helping 
Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's like such a such a good point. You know, that self-reflection on not rushing because I I'm sort of similar to you in terms of, you know, obviously not anything to do with sport, but in life in, in general, you know, we have a lot of listeners who just live normal lives, not not to do with sport. But, you know, I have friends who are four or five years older than me and I find myself in a rush to compete with, you know, how much they're earning, you know, uh, they're getting mortgages, houses, uh, like starting a families and things like that. You know, I feel like I'm in such a rush, but having that self-reflection constantly is something that I've really focused on because everyone's on their own individual journey. Things all come at different times. You know, my main sport is football. And, you know, in England, a story of Ian Wright, you know, I'm pretty sure he didn't um, get his pro contract till he was like 26 and he went on to become a Premier League legend. Um, so honestly, that's, uh, that's a really good point to bring up. And for you to be able to like, have that self-reflection at such a young age, I mean, you're 21 now, yeah. like, that's, uh, that's uh, unbelievable to have that. Um, was that something you learned from your support system or was that something you de developed like, by yourself? Um, I had it sometimes um, with myself because I'm someone who's really hard on myself. Um, it can be good, it can be bad, but also in school, I always wanted to be the best. I mean, in everything I do, I want to be the best. Um, and like, there is no way of stopping me, but sometimes you have to reflect yourself. And my support system helped me in that because I have a lot of people, you know, they're older, um, they were also in sports. Um, and they, they tell me that, like, reflect on yourself, uh, see where you came from. Um, yeah. And we forget it sometimes because also with social media these days, there is so much pressure on us as people, um, athletes, normal people, everything. Your friends are, are maybe going faster at one point. Um, some are maybe going slower. Um, and as an athlete, uh, me, I have also, like, friends who are not doing sports and it's sometimes the conversations are so different because they sometimes they don't understand like how many hours you have to put in there and like it's so different and some of our friends already bought a house and I'm just like living from from my luggage and traveling from this country to this country so it's so different and you just have to look to yourself but obviously it's it's something you have to learn you cannot get it in one two three it, you have to learn it I'm sure in when you talk to me in 10 years, I'm still reflecting myself and I'm still learning how, how, how to deal with certain things, how to take my own steps, how to, how to just do your own thing. And um, also in a team sport, it's hard. Then if you see other people like signing contracts uh, of other people like going to bigger clubs than, than, than you, uh, but that's why you have to reflect yourself. Um, I mean, as I say, I was so hard this season. I was like, at the end, I was like, damn, I'm not a champion. I'm a vice champion. But I'm like, one year ago, I didn't even have a team. Like, I was like, why am I putting so much pressure? Instead of that, I just have to enjoy it and, and take everything as like a big, um, a big party. So, yeah. Yeah, like Oli said, that's a huge skill to have as an athlete, like being able to take that step back and to reflect on yourself. Um, yeah, definitely. It's a really, really good skill to have. So well done. But, um, but that point on social media, I completely agree with. Um, I think the fact that you can see what other people are up to and like, you know, in different countries and, you know, it's, it's really easy to compare yourself with with these people. And I think back in the day, not having the access to what to really seeing the lifestyle of people how they're living and stuff i think it was potentially better you know or obviously there's pros and cons to social media but 
yeah i definitely think social media contributes to to kind of that pressure of wanting more all the time yeah for sure like social media is so much pressure like a lot of people um they see it in different ways uh i mean i use social media too like i'm i'm, I'm active everywhere um and sometimes i delete some apps especially during the season because i'm like i cannot deal with it with this negative energy um mm. but also the way how you look at it um like sometimes videos get posted uh from different angles um i mean i feel really bad for soccer players um i mean they get blamed the most on social media obviously they get paid the most i was talking actually with my mom yesterday about it um but i'm like people never see how much hours of work they put in there um i mean every young boy wants wants to become a soccer player but only maybe one percent of them makes it um and still they get they get like not blamed but they they have a, a bad picture of soccer players on social media and i'm like if you would know like how many hours of work they put in there and 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 just like how tough it is and everywhere there are cameras and it's 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 tougher than than people mostly see and i know yannick ferreira obviously and i talked with him also like a lot a lot of times about it and also for him like he sometimes he got blamed a lot about different stuff but if you see like what he's doing behind the scenes uh, then you have a different perspective and it's also the mindset of people looking at it looking at social media that makes a big difference uh, i think a lot of fans you know take it to such an extreme as well in terms of the way they react after a game if, if someone's played badly it's like life or death like they're literally i mean some players i know that harry Maguire, obviously not going through a great period at, at manchester united and he's getting like bomb threats at his house and it's like jesus christ is a center back for a football team like relax it is you know yeah. if people I'm, take it too far sometimes fans can be hard and i can understand it because they're putting their heart into the, their favorite team they're putting money into their favorite team but i mean they're paying to, to watch a game um, but in the end of the day like athletes are just normal people like we are just the same as a fence we just have a different talent um and i mean okay you you choose to pay money for that but in the end of the day it's it's, no, it's a normal person with emotions um and we are not robots like we can have bad games i mean it's normal you can have a bad day bad day at work it's just the same um and that's what people sometimes forget and some people are not looking at it with a rational mind um yeah i'm sure if you one week later if you talk to that person he will react different but now these days with social media you can post everything like it's so easy to talk behind your screen but if you really talk face to face, I mean, if this fan would say it face to face to 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 any kind of athlete, mm. that would react, and maybe afterwards he he would have a different kind of perspective about it. So yeah. it's so hard, but it's so easy to blame each other, and it's crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like uh, people act so like rash uh, on, on certain things. Even like I'm susceptible to doing things like that, but. I try to like cool down. Me and John have a have a routine after Man United games watching uh, our mate Gold, Mark Goldbridge, and he changes our opinions so much it makes us think in a different way on on the outlook of the game. But just touching on like the players, I definitely feel like you are right. You know, the fans are paying to watch these players, and they put a lot. I mean, some of people's like my football teams. You know, uh, a large part of my life. 
and I put a lot of hours into supporting them, a lot of money into supporting them. And I think players should get criticised. But I think to just to a level, I mean, anything outside of sport where people start bringing things like family and things like that into it, it should just stay within football and completely constructive. Um, like, for example, you know, Manchester United, like I feel like a lot of players aren't working as hard as they could be. Um, and I feel like that's all right to say. But as soon as you start taking things outside of that, I think, um, yeah, it's just not, not good too far. Yeah, you cannot get like take other things into someone else's job. I mean, family, you cannot bring it into soccer, for example. Um, but yeah, as an athlete, you also have responsibilities. You have to work hard. Um, I mean, you, you have to, yeah, even if you're playing bad, you have to show your heart and, and give everything, everything for, for the team. Um, I think if you keep doing that, fans will always like respect you even though you don't make anything or you don't score. But if you keep on fighting, fans will always respect you. Um, and obviously there needs to be um, a barrier of like fans screaming at, at players. And um, thank God I'm just playing basketball. It's not that hard yet, but you never... What I, what I find about basketball though is like how That's close, oh, yeah. how close they are to, 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 to the court, like fans, you know. Um, is that what it's like in European games as well? Because obviously I watch NBA and... They're literally courtside. And I've seen a, there's like a recent trend in NBA where people are trying to run onto the court or something. Like, what? Yeah. It's super close. That, that's the thing. So you feel like more the pressure. Um, obviously, like, some, you, you never know what a fan can do. I mean, I was once watching a EuroCup game and, and all of a sudden there was a, a water bottle thrown to a player. And I'm like, okay, the, the, this happens now in, in basketball too. Like, I was shocked because we never heard of this before. But you see, like, People are getting also more angry and um, yeah, court sites for us is just you're closer. Uh, we don't have like security at our games. So I hope it's not going to get worse in the future, um, how fans will react. And that's why I'm, I'm telling like social media has a lot of impact in it because if people see happening it in, 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 in other um, sports, um, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm not going to say it 100%, like people now running on the NBA floors, I'm, I'm sure they saw it on social media from people running on soccer fields. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it's like that at its starts. Um, and yeah, it has, it, everything has an influence on, on anything. So. Have you ever had to deal with uh, like heckling, like people trying to trash talk you, like fans or even players? Um, you know, because I feel like that's quite yeah. a strong culture in, uh, in, in basketball. I, I played a pickup game with, um, you know, my friend and like, he, I've never really got into basketball. I never really played it. And the guy's like trash talking me and I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, this is, this is nuts. So how have you found that sort of uh, culture? Has it happened to you? Well, trash talk mostly happens in pickup games when you're like in the summer playing it's just to like tease each other yeah uh, but for me it becomes motivation that for sure okay. i don't think people want to start talking to me because for me in my head it turns into something different like, like i start playing harder yeah. uh, recently we had our final games and i have to be honest like it was tough because we played a team before and they were just acting normal but this time in the finals they were playing pretty dirty, I have to say. Um, and they were trash talking some other players and clapping in the face, which normally you're not allowed 
because referees should say something um, if, if they see that happening because you can get uh, technical or unsportsmanlike or whatever for it. Um, but referees didn't do anything. And the last game, it was just, it was more a fight than a basketball game, I have to say. And I'm shocked and I'm also not pretty happy about it that it happened. Um, and I'm always going to protect my team, obviously. Um, but this is not a way of um, promoting a sport. Uh, for me, this was how many people were watching this game? I think 2,000 people, if it's not more. Um, so it's not a way of promoting a sport. It can happen and it can be competitive, but it needs to stay in a respectful way. Um, I mean, you can trash talk a little bit. Um, it's nothing bad, but as long as it stays in a respectful way, it's good. And that didn't happen in other last games. Uh, which is pretty sad, uh, but yeah, it happens. And if referees don't do anything about it, I'm not blaming any referee. But then it, it, it can become really it can become really tough. And also, girls they're different in it than than, than boys. So yeah, yeah. Just going back on that court side court side point, like there's even people getting their haircuts like <laughs> on the <laughs> yeah. Did you see that video? <laughs> No, yeah, it was funny, but uh, yeah, like we've obviously we've been talking about um, you know the skills that, that you've got and the self reflection things like that. Um, you know, what are some what are the main characteristics or attributes mentally, like psychologically, you feel make a successful basketball player? Like, what do you think's made you so successful? Oh, um. Pretty tough. Um, for me, um, sports is more a mental game than a physical game. That's for sure. I had to learn it over the years. Um, I'm also like, uh, I'm working with a physical coach who is so many times world champion, so many times Belgian champion in track and field. Um, and he's always saying me this. He's like, it's more mental than physical. And at the beginning, I was like, what is he talking about? Like, come on, it's. It, you know, you have to run, you have to be physical. But in the end of the day, like if your mental state is not perfect or not in balance, I have to say, um, it's going to affect your physical performance. Um, and also I'm someone who who's really quick and who's not mostly calm in the head when it when I'm just like maybe making movements or whatever. Um, so I'm working on this to, to stay calmer. So it, it looks easier, but I'm still putting a lot of effort in it. But yeah, the mental game is, is something that is really underrated in sports. Um, I mean, these days, um, I'm talking also with a psychologist during the, the, the season, like it's not something bad. It's just to, to, to help myself, um, to put things in a perspective, to, to put less pressure on myself, um, and just, learning how to how to deal with myself and and how to how to to deal with my mental state um and it's it's helping me um it's it's developing my game um but yeah working with a psychologist in sports is is nothing bad i mean let's say it's a mental coach you know um because people yeah. don't like the word psychologist um but it's a mental coach is because yeah like I'm saying, the mental the mental part of, of, of a sport is so underrated. Yes, probably equally, if not more important, you know, uh, when we've been working with clients, you know, sport and exercise psychologists, um, you know, a common barrier that we're facing is, you know, letting them know that, you know, it's not just about solving problems. It's also about, you know, taking yourself to the next level. You know, I feel like 
the whole reason why I got into into psychology and started practicing as a psychologist is because I feel like people can reach their physical peaks, um, but the difference between like being good and being great is being able to perform when it really matters. Um, and I feel like that's like all the people who are at the pro level are able to do. Um, so yeah, I definitely feel like that's a misconception in psychology. So definitely good that you brought that up in terms of, you know, you work with, is it with your club or do you work externally with one? Uh, now we had one at the club, which okay. is rare that you find it in, in basketball. I mean, it's the first time I see it. Um, but outside, I've worked already with a lot of uh, a lot of them. Um, and it's also like sometimes, you know, your body can be tired. But if you have a game at that moment, uh, you need to be mentally ready to play a game. And in basketball, everything happens so quick. Uh, I mean, I can miss an open layup, but I need to be back for... Uh, defense and you cannot think about missing an open layup if you have to be back one second later in defense so the mental aspect is really important um, just to make the switches also of the courts um, you cannot always stay into this basketball thing um, because I'm, I'm like eight months in season I cannot like even if I'm not practicing I cannot think about oh man I have in a few hours again I practice no, you need to find a balance between life and, and, and basketball. Um, and that's also where um, mental coaches help in just um, to find things that you really love next to basketball. Um, I mean, learning new things, um, painting, whatever, whatever you like, you can do it also next to basketball. Like life is not only about basketball, even though the quotes, they always say it, but it's not so... That's definitely something that like, I promote. It's something I've done a lot of work in is having that wider identity, you know. So say if you have a bad game in basketball, you know, it's not going to affect you as much as uh, maybe someone who has a 100% identity in basketball. Um, like that's such a such a good thing to learn and something you've worked with a psychologist on for sure. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it, go on. No, I was just going to say, it seems like you've developed all these, you know, ideas and concepts already like at such a young age and we yeah I keep reminding myself you're only 21 and you've already got this mindset so it's really fantastic honestly that's a lot of work and again like support system around you helps you into that yeah. and having an open mind being open-minded about it is also something um, because at the young age mostly are like close-minded and they're like well I only want to do basketball and I need to make it and basketball is everything I have so man and at a certain age they they're gonna they're gonna get tired of it um I mean I had it also like when I was young I was only into basketball like I was skipping school um I was doing like a lot of things uh, even like my last year I wasn't going to you know, the last 100 days, I wasn't going uh, abroad, like um, having a school thing. Um, I was always like, I, I need to I need to practice, like I need to go to basketball. But I have regrets about certain things um, that I didn't do just because I chose the basketball way. Um, it was good. It was bad. Uh, did I became a pro of it? I don't know. Um, but uh, the last years, I, I just see more and more that there is more uh, more than basketball. Um and I try to enjoy it. Um, and I'm also lucky now to have like people from other countries. So you learn different things. Um, and it's, it's so important to have a balance because you can get wrapped really quick um, into the same routine. And before you know, you fall into a depression, I have to say. 
um, it's, it's, it's the same with people going to a normal job. If you always do the same and, and you think your job is everything you have um, and you're not taking care of yourself, you're not taking care of your family, you're not doing what you love or taking time for different things, then it's, then it's, it's pretty hard why, why people are going to fall into, into depression. You saw with Corona, I mean, everyone gets like pulled out of their, their routine and a lot of people, they, they, they just fell into, into depression, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that's, yeah, it's, it's important. Uh, yeah. Um, as well, like just touching on, um, you know, these psychological qualities that like I'm so trying to, to, to look for, you know, in terms of the point guard position, obviously a really important position in basketball. Um, you know, what are the essential mental qualities would you say a point guard should have um, if they want to be successful? Point guard is the head of of the team um you need to have a good relationship with your coach um you need to have a good relationship with every player uh you need to to know every strength of every player of every teammate uh you need to know like how which style the coach wants to play you need to know every play out of your head because you need to be able to put the right players in the right position and it changes all the time like sometimes they can be running on the left side uh, or on the on the right side, and you need to start the play at the right side, so the right player ends up in the play to 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 score. Um, and yeah, it asks a lot of brain, um, like a lot of smartness. Um, but it asks like so many hours. Like in the beginning of the season, I'm just studying and studying every play. I'm just trying to figure out how every player is. Um, and of course, you you make mistakes. Like it's normal, um, but it's if you don't start good as a point guard, the team will not like start following because some players will not get, get into the play and get scores. So it's a really important um, position. And mostly like people who watch basketball, they will think like, yeah, they're all playing a position, but they don't know what is behind the position. And as a point guard, you need to be able to do everything. I mean, you need to be able also to, to defend full courts most players they can play offense and then they can run back under the rim and and play defense um so you just need to be able to to play offense full court and and also if you play offense you have so much pressure of the other point guard on you and you need to be able to to see the the courts and start thinking like okay which which play can i play now or how are we supposed to run so yeah it's an underrated position i have to say one thing that I sort of want to like try and le- understand and learn from you because I'm quite unsure about this. Um, let's say, for example, in the NBA, you've got star players who don't play point guard, but the point guard's naturally the primarily ball handler, you know? So why is it that sometimes, let's say LeBron, who's not a point guard, is carrying the ball up the court to, to start a play? Like, is, is that quite common uh, that... The point guard maybe has to transition into I don't know like what what does the point guard do if uh, small forwards doing that? Did you know? Um, I think it's not only common in NBA. Uh, yeah. Okay. There is just it's just one on one and everyone wants to score there. Um, yeah. So that's why LeBron James I think mostly when he doesn't score or he sees his team is not like working good he just wants to to have a bucket. Uh, yeah. So it's yeah, that's why I said in the beginning it's, it's such a different type of style NBA. Yeah. If you look to European basketball, but it sometimes it happens because 
um, even when like another player of my team has the ball quicker and can push and can be able to to bring it over the half court, um, I'm just gonna run my line and I'm gonna take over that position. Um, so you you can interchange it, but not with every player. Um, so and sometimes they use it also to play quicker because until the point guard then at that moment has the ball, it takes like between one and five seconds. Um, and if you only have 24 seconds to score, it takes your, your time down. So sometimes it's smart, sometimes it's to play quick, but in the, in the, in the NBA, I'm pretty sure it's just to, to score and play one-on-one. Yeah, no, for sure. But I definitely agree with you as well on that basketball IQ, like being a point guard, you know, talking about not being a, like the primarily ball handler. I, I find that sometimes when, like we had a uh, Joey Hewitt on, who's also a point guard, has played in Mexico, um, England, and as well as the United States. And he was saying that you know Steph Curry will get double teamed sometimes and have to use his IQ to be able to like use that to his advantage when he's actually not got the ball. Um, so like he gets other teammates freed up, and then and that's the play in itself. So yeah, I feel like uh, the point guard is such a such a technical position in in, in the brain. I couldn't yeah. even imagine transfer. I'd be so confused. <laughs> yeah, no, and sometimes you have to like think two steps ahead of what the defense yeah. will do. I mean, some you have different type of defenses too, and sometimes they have defense where they trap, uh, where they trap you. And I mean, me as with my size, if <laughs> two taller players, like I, sometimes I'm looking over it. And I'm like, where can I find a way to to pass it? But yeah, yeah you have to think two two steps ahead in everything you do, and and. Um, and that's also like the, quite interesting and it adds a lot of experience, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's always thinking ahead and, and trying to like get through it. Um, it's, it's so, yeah, it's so much in, in basketball. Um, and it's, it's more than just like watching it and, and playing it. Um, it's always like constantly being active, even if I'm sitting on the bench and you have to get in. I mean, sometimes I have to get in at important times. Um, when 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 my colleague is not doing good or, or is doing really good like it's just like so much pressure especially of coming off the bench um, but you have to be able not to put more pressure on yourself um, and just trying to play for the team um, that's why most people also like look who scores the most that's the best player that's not true I mean I can have games of zero points but I can be decisive for my team and make the right calls um so yeah. yeah it's it's a full it's a full compact sport 100%. yeah just going back on that on like the roles of like each player i think the coach really has to do like a really good job of establishing everyone's roles at like maybe the, like the beginning of the season mm-hmm. um so then everyone feels like included in the journey um everyone knows what the, you know when when it's their time to shine you know um it's kind of like um well, the, the, the Bulls coach, um, Jackson, mm-hmm. he did it really well. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's what makes a team stronger. I mean, um, in, in one team, you can be a superstar. In another team, you can have a different role because there are way better players. Um, when I played in Switzerland, um, I had players with talent, um, but I was the one who had to make the scores. Um, and who had to decide like what to play or, or whatever. And there I was averaging 16 points average a, a game. Um, and, and then I came in Germany and started off the bench uh, because I had a more experienced point guard in front of me. Um, um, and then you have also like way better players 
and your role is different. And if your coach communicates it um, before the season, you know your role and you have to stay in your role and you don't have to start thinking like, oh, but I was a superstar last season, so why can I not be a superstar here? And you just have to follow your role and do everything for the team. And that's how most teams um, become champions and, and be in, in the finals or whatever. And that's what makes our team this year like super strong. We were fighting for each other. We had each other's backs. Every, everyone knew his role. And when we had injuries, someone stepped out of his role and took it over. Um, I mean, you have to be able to do both. Um, and yeah, following the role is also something that most people don't see. Um, you have you have a go-to player, um, obviously, in every team you have it, but you can have different roles in different teams. Like, it's so crazy. And you have to be able as a player to adapt to it. Because sometimes you can be trapped into yourself and, and think like, but I can do more, like I can show more, but if, if, is it going to help the team? That's what you need to ask yourself. Um, and I had it also this season. I had it quite um, hard in the beginning because I wasn't playing that much. And I came from playing the whole game last season. And I was like, okay, but what am I doing here? But then I started reflecting again myself, reflecting the whole situation. I'm like, I'm playing in an, such a good team with so many experienced players um, who can who can be champion this year. And I just have to 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 follow my role, do everything for the team, give everything I have every minute um, because I'm not going to have a lot, so I can give give everything. Um, and that's how you need to be able to adapt every season. So true, like you say, like if people understand their roles, that. That's what creates the best teams that, that we've seen in history. Um, like applying that to football, you got uh, obviously the Manchester United team. I mean, Alex Ferguson was the king of making everyone understand their roles. Star players as well, understanding that they can be effective off the bench. Players like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, like Teddy Sheringham, like these are good players who enjoyed being on the bench for him. So I think a lot of it is about the coach providing value to the players and, and making them also value the role. I feel like who's good at that currently is Pep Guardiola with Man City. I mean, they could feel field two world-class 11s and they're just happy sitting on the bench for certain games, but they know that they're going to come in and in certain important games and they're going to be important during the season. So definitely, definitely really good point. Um, and Just, also, like, sitting on the bench, I mean, I know agencies, they also look to that, how you support your team, um, how, how you, your attitude is, is is towards the team, towards your coach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you need to have respect towards, towards everyone who's on the court, even though if you're sitting on the bench. A team is a team, and every player counts. It doesn't matter if your job is taking a water bottle for someone who's playing or taking a towel or whatever. Um, you're part of the team and you're doing your job the best way you can. If it's playing one minute, you give everything you have in one minute. Um, and that's why, like, sometimes when a, a team wins a championship, the, mo the first thing they're always asking is like, yeah, but how many points did you score? How many minutes did you play? And I'm like, my personal performance doesn't really matter um, for becoming a championship, especially in team sports. Um it's the way how you do your role. It's the way how, how you are for your teammates. I mean, if you, if you make, if you don't play and you cheer your team um, and your teammates hear it and they have like more motivation out of it, or you're a really great teammate uh, for someone else, um, or you're helping them next to the court, uh, on the court, uh, whatever, you're playing super hard defense in, in practices to yeah. make them better and to prepare them for a game. 
Um, that's why a lot of people forget, like being a great teammate is as, is, as, as, as important as being uh, the superstar player. 100%, because that will attribute as well to like the team culture and that that then is a high-performing culture and that's going to create a, an unbelievable team. So all these little things and attitudes that you think don't really make it make a difference like for the athletes listening, they make a huge difference for the overall team culture, uh, which I feel like, you know, my current club doesn't, just doesn't have that. Um, and we do need to reevaluate that culture for sure. Um, just in terms of like uh, your routines, do you have any like routines that helps you get in sort of that optimal mindset uh, like before before games maybe? Yeah, I do have a lot of routines. I think I have too much. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, every, I have to say every season, it, it just changes. Like I can stay with certain routines, um, especially like even before a game, I have a certain routine for that. Um, but sometimes in preseason, it's how you feel in the warm-up because warm-ups are always different in 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 in, in a team. Um, and I adapt my own routine into the warm-up um, and how I feel the best. I mean, preseason is a perfect time in to to do it. Um, and yeah, I for sure have so many routines. Like I don't think I can even write write, write all of them down. It's yeah. it's crazy, and sometimes it changes um because i played a really good game and I, and then i think like oh yeah this routine has really helped me to play a good okay. game and it's just the belief into it but it's helping yeah. you um and as long as you believe into it and and, and you believe in in yourself and you think that it's going to help it's, it's going to make you mentally stronger and, and let you play way better so yeah. okay i love that the warm-up like you mentioned there like that's so important i think a lot of athletes forget that like the warm-up period this is like the optimal time to prepare your brain and your mind for the game like it's meant to warm up your muscles but it's also meant to more more up your brain as well um i think yeah, yeah definitely find, like athletes li listening just find like your routine and try and implement it yeah um, and sometimes in a warm-up you cannot be too focused um because then you're gonna at the end of the game if it's gonna last long then your focus can go down i mean you cannot stay focused for forever mm. uh, not possible like i had this year i had practices of three hours and sometimes at the end i felt like my focus is going down like you cannot do anything about it um you learn to adapt and and, and do that all um but when i was younger i was five hours before before a game i was into my own bubble i was so focused and over the years, you just learn to, to be more relaxed, especially in the beginning of a warm-up. I'm more relaxed. I'm just like um, listening to the songs and, and like trying to, to, to talk a little bit with other players and, and just to be super relaxed. And uh, once you feel like it's coming closer to the game, I, I go into my focus mode and everyone is always laughing with it because I have like a really focused face and <laughs> I can look pretty angry when I'm really focused. <laughs> Uh, but that's when they know it's it's like go time so yeah, yeah. but you really you cannot be too focused for too long yeah, yeah no, i definitely agree with that yeah i hope to see that game face uh, i need yeah. to see that <laughs> oh god but um yeah no in terms of like your sort of aspirations you, you, your goals that you want to achieve during your career you know what sort of uh, are they what what do you hope to achieve I for sure have a lot of goals, um, but I'm not trying to put um, too much pressure on uh, that for sure. 
um, but obviously I want to play EuroLeague. That's like the highest competition. Um, I want to achieve a lot with national team, uh, which is also, it's amazing just to represent your, your country. Um, and if possible, yeah, like the biggest goal is obviously women's NBA. Uh, I mean, that would be amazing. And Olymp Olympic, uh, like the Olympics, um, I mean, it was never, never, nobody was from basketball was ever able to do it since uh, since last year we had the national team who was who was at the olympics so then as it, you start thinking and it, it can become a goal but i'm not putting too much pressure on it i'm just like enjoying now the process uh, making steps uh, i mean i'm not i was now in germany as vice champion i could never if you would have asked me before the season started i would have been like we're gonna make the best out of it and vice champion is something really big so um yeah it's not gold but still vice champion i'm still a champion so that's how i see it and i'm just seeing how next how next season will be and i'm trying to make the best out of every year um and i want to be able at the end of my career to say like okay i gave everything i i I get everything out, out of my own potential. Um, if it is EuroLeague, EuroCup, Women's NBA, I don't know. I'm not going to put too much pressure on it. As long as I could take everything out of myself, I'm going to be happy. 100%. Um, I definitely think if you keep trusting the process, taking it day by day, doing the best you can, there's no reason it's why you can't achieve any, anything that you've just said. You know, um, I feel like already at such a young age, you've, you, you've developed so much. You have such a great appreciation for the mental side of the sport uh, that a lot of young athletes don't actually understand. So I definitely feel like you're on the right path. Um, in terms of like all the questions, they were all the questions we had for you. So thanks so much for coming on. Honestly, it's been such a good podcast for, for our listeners to listen to. I feel like there's so much to take away. Um, is there anything you sort of want to shout out or say? Uh, at this moment i mean uh first of all i want to thank you guys for for getting me on this podcast like i really appreciate it um and i think the most important for athletes is is not to forget where you came from and you're gonna have a lot of tough times like i mean i had a lot of tough times um off the court on the court doesn't matter like something is, is gonna try to bring you down but you gotta be able just to to stay mentally ready and and to find your own ways how to make it and find the right balances. So yeah, just stay focused, not too focused, but just mm -hmm. trust your own path. Awesome. I love that. Um, all the links to your social media will be in the description of the YouTube videos. So all that will be linked and I'm sure you'll be spamming with notifications when we, uh, when we all load the podcast and the clips. We've got to bump that Instagram up because, uh, yeah, your Instagram got deleted, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, still deleted. I hate it. But... That must be so frustrating. What, what happened was it they just deleted it and then no news or what like i got like something on my screen and then i had to like write in my verifications or something so i was like it's quite a normal normal question um and then i got deleted and it's now almost a month and you cannot reach out to instagram which is so annoying but yeah i lost a lot of followers but for me in the end of the day it's like i don't care about those followers if people really want to follow me they're going to follow me so i'm just making my own journey exactly that's it sure. <laughs> okay let me uh, bang this in outro uh, <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode if you can share this with your friends or someone you would feel would benefit from it most importantly like subscribe comment down below any questions or guests you'd like us to get on in the future also go follow us on twitter or instagram links will be in the description of the youtube video or find us at master in the mind podcast thanks for listening and we'll see you in the next one